This is Rivers to Resilience. The podcast where we educate, inspire, motivate and transform you and your teams on your journey to emotional resilience. We hear stories and advice from leaders and experts, allowing you to harness their wisdom with transformational, evidence-based strategies to building emotional resilience. Join accredited cognitive behavioural psychotherapist and author Martina Witter as she deep dives into all aspects of resilience building, whilst also helping you to crush stress and improve and retain your performance, productivity and profits. That's here on Rivers to Resilience. I'm so excited to share with you and to introduce today's guest on Rivers to Resilience. We have Simon Haig, who is a growth strategist and leadership expert. He's the CEO of GCM Consulting Limited and SimonHaig.com. Through his Ireland, UK and Australia-based company, GCM Advisory, and operating as SimonHay.com, he helps organisations and leaders unlock, build and sustain business, leadership, brand and mindset growth through his coaching, consulting, training, publication, speaking and e-learning programmes. Simon's clients include high-performing leaders, companies, business schools such as Trinity College in Ireland and also professional organisations and government bodies globally. Simon's extensive work has been endorsed by the world number one leadership thinker, Marshall Goldsmith, and he's been nominated by People Hum as in the top 200 influential thought leaders in 2021 and Thinkers 360, number four in sales, nine in entrepreneurship. 13 in health and wellness, 37 in management. And he's been featured in the People Hum Top 100 Thought Leader Series for Mindful Negotiation. He's also been featured on the BBC, Australia's ABC, television and numerous radio and podcast channels, including with his own radio show on the UK's first wellbeing channel, Serenity Radio. Simon started out as a tri-qualified commercial lawyer in England, Wales, Australia and Ireland. And he's also an entrepreneur. He's built and sold out of technology, luxury items and travel companies. He's also been a C-suite exec in Nana Development Corporation, Dell, BHP. And he sat on five boards across different industries, four continents over 27 years. He's the co-founder and partner of inclusioninleadership.com. And Simon's work and two of his three Amazon five-star books, including How to Be a Better Deal Closer and Deal Making for Corporate Growth, has been endorsed by Marshall Goldsmith, and he's an associate member of the Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Centered Coaching Organization. He's an acclaimed keynote speaker, including in Australia, the US, UK and Ireland and Canada and China. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Simon Haig to you. And I'd love for you, Simon, just to share a little bit more about yourself and your journey. Thanks, Martina. And thanks. It's a privilege to be here. And I, I had a look at your website and I love the work you do and the whole Rivers to Resilience. And so a little bit about me. I started life in the UK. I've spent 22 years now living outside the UK. I've lived in Ireland for 11 years with my wife and two daughters. And we lived in Australia for 10 years. I kind of changed careers three times. 
it's kind of divided into three. The first period of about 13 years, I was a lawyer. I was a private practice and a corporate lawyer in the tech industry with Dell and the likes. And then the next bit of my career, eight years, I ended up becoming a CEO of a big American company, Indigenous, the world's biggest Indigenous Aboriginal business from Alaska. Oh, right. I, I was their CEO in Australia. And then the last eight years, has been the most fun, and that's running my own business, GCM Advisory, but I mm-hmm. trade as simonhaig.com. And I guess what I do today, I'm, I'm referred to as the growth strategist, as you said, but what I try and do is I try and knit the four elements of growth together. And this all comes mm-hmm. from my experiences, positive and negative experiences, and those four elements are mindset growth. So how aware are you? How resilient are you? How motivated? What's your levels of grit, motivation? Then leadership mm-hmm. growth. Having looked at mindset, how does that feed into your leadership growth capabilities? So things like assertiveness and influencing skills. And then the third thing then is business growth. Once you've looked at mindset and leadership, mm-hmm. how can you use what you've understood about yourself to grow your business? And then finally, once you've done all that and you've got a sense of your frequency, if that makes sense, the frequency mm-hmm. of where you're at, only then can you really put a brand and create an identity. So that's the work I do. That's fantastic. And I love the way that you just summarize it so succinctly and take us on that that journey. And I think it's Thanks. quite quite interesting that you started out as a lawyer, then you're a CEO of an Indigenous company. You've travelled across the globe. And I wonder how that has impacted upon you as an individual. And I'm just thinking about resilience, transition, change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, huge And it's funny, you know, I spent six years of my life, I was really privileged. I worked for one of the biggest mining companies, BHP, heading their indigenous economic unit. So working with Mm -hmm. Aboriginal people in Australia, some of the oldest Mm -hmm. people on the planet. And then I was headhunted by an American indigenous business. And then I was consulting CEOs of the Australian Indigenous Tourism Council and working with indigenous people, some of the oldest people in the world, really taught me, Martina, humility, awareness, I suppose tolerance as well would be a huge thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. I pull my hair out when I see intolerance and lack of diversity and equity and inclusion in the world, because the way I look at this, there are 8 billion human souls on this planet. Whether we don't like our neighbor, we're all equal. Even Donald Trump. (laughs) You might might not like him, but we're all equal. And I guess Mm -hmm. it taught me that and resilience as well, absolutely, that none of us are, are asked to come onto this planet and nobody's given a blueprint. We've just got to find our way and navigate our, our way through. Yes. <laughs> so I guess from your perspective, how, how would you describe resilience? It's interesting because I never knew what it was until I realized about two years ago, I've been very resilient in my life. And then I started studying it. So for me, It's as simple as saying, for me, resilience is the capacity to cope with life. For me, it's Mm -hmm. the capacity, my capacity to cope with life. When I say to cope with life, there's three elements to that. There's coping with myself, (laughs) because often (laughs) often it's the voices in the head that are the worst things. So there's three elements, coping with myself, coping with society, how do I interact in society? And then thirdly, coping with life itself, right? So it's Mm -hmm. the capacity to cope with life. And I guess how I manage my emotional and behavioral responses to all of that stuff determines for me, my levels of resilience in any day, you know, that's Mm -hmm. kind of what it is for me, capacity to cope with life. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I like to, when I think about resilience, I like to kind of use metaphors. I'm a kind of visual learner. I always think about, um, I go to the gym, thinking about, you know, using weights and kind of building your muscle and 
in our life, you know, society throws a lot at us. We challenge ourselves with our minds, sometimes negative yeah. thoughts, and all of that can be quite overwhelming. And, and especially for leaders, I know that's one of your areas of expertise. And, and yeah. the requirement is that you should be resilient and bounce back, especially if yeah. you're leading an organization or if you're leading a, a team. Yeah. And I guess I wonder how, for yourself, how have you built upon your personal resilience in your professional life, we'll focus on that first. And then we'll kind of look at your personal. And I know the two are kind of interrelated. You go into work, you can't just switch off from what's happening. Yeah. I mean, from a professional perspective, a lot of this has been trial and error, right? There's, As I said, there's no blueprint. But I guess some of the common things that I've realized as I've come through life, and I'm 54 this month, is that one of the most important things is that I can control much less than I used to think to and think I could when I was younger. Um, you know, the serenity prayer is a great thing. It comes from 12-step programs. Grant me, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can, and the mm-hmm. wisdom to know the difference. That wisdom is really hard to know what you can and can't change. So for me, as I've got older, I've realized that I have to accept change. I have to accept the pandemic. I have to accept yes. that maybe next week I'm not going to earn anything, but the following week I might. The key then is, is dealing with what's going on in my head. Really, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can control. So it's accepting change is number one. I guess another thing for me underpinning resilience is really, really important is try and find your sense of purpose. And I say this because, and I had this really great conversation yesterday on a networking organization in the UK. And a lot of people were kind of almost brainwashed that we need to be the best. But I think it's more important to be you, right? And if you're you first, the best will follow. It's not yes. vice versa. It's not vice versa. So so try and work on alignment. You know, wh- wh- who are you? Wh- what do you really want? What really drives you? And of course, sometimes you've got to take jobs that you don't like to pay mm-hmm. the bills. But I think aim to find your purpose. I think another thing is gratitude is so, so important. I was, and I'm happy to talk about it later. You know, I, I reached a very, very dark place in my life 12 years ago. And Doing a daily gratitude list was so, not so much at the time, but with hindsight was so important. You know, waking mm-hmm. up, what are the five things I'm grateful for today? And they're always the little things, a cup yes. of coffee, a clean bed, a blue sky, all these things. And then at night, it's never the big things. It's never mm-hmm. the material things. And by doing that habitually, it just calms mm-hmm. you. you know? So there's no magic algorithm to this stuff. You've just got to do what is right for you at the time, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. All, everything that you shared resonates with me. And when you were sharing about gratitude, it just took me back to the early days of COVID. And I started doing a, a bit of a gratitude journal because I was shielding. I was thinking, I need <laughs> something to get me through yeah. this and to stay focused. And like you said, sometimes you can underestimate the power of gratitude and yeah. just tuning in to the positive and yeah. building that optimism, which ultimately builds your resilience. There's always something we can be grateful yeah. for. I mean, right this second, it's wonderful. You and I are connecting. We're not just communicating, we're connecting. There's a mm-hmm. connection. That's yeah. wonderful. You and I are both, it looks like we're both in warm, dry rooms. It's for Friday afternoon. <laughs> we're recording this. That's four things immediately to be grateful for. Yes. Like four things. And I do this, it sounds really trivial, but... I try my hardest now to intentionally practice this. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important to be intentional. So, for example, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I had my car clamped, right? 
Mm-hmm. And initially, my initial reaction was anger, resentment. I was furious. And then I sat in my car and I now intentionally divert from that. And within literally two minutes, I sat there and I thought, right, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful that I've got a car to be clamped. I'm grateful that I had money in my bank to pay the 80 euro to get it released. And within two or three minutes, it had dissolved. That resentment had dissolved. Mm-hmm. You know? That's really important to find a way to, to divert that shadow that's in all of us. There's always a mm-hmm. negative voice in all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it, it ties in with that self-awareness, doesn't it? Because if you're not noticing that there's a shift, how are you able to kind of make a change and to catch that? And that's kind of one of the kind of early stages of the kind of rivers to resilience. So do you want to kind of share a little about self-awareness and also how you work with, with leaders, you know, in that area? Because it's key and in terms of emotional intelligence as well. Yeah, I'm glad you went straight on to self-awareness because this is something that, for me, I think self-awareness there's lots of really important things to be a leader, right? But I actually like assertiveness skills and influencing skills and calmness and compassion and courage. But I think everything starts with awareness. I think it mm-hmm. really, really does. I don't know about you, Martina, but no, nobody ever taught me. I went to school in England. Nobody ever taught me. I don't even remember hearing the word awareness at school, mm-hmm. right? And so I've studied a lot about this stuff. And, you know, there are two types of awareness. There's self-awareness and there's situational awareness. And Mm -hmm. for me, self-awareness is having as clear a view as I possibly can, right? Sometimes the brain gets in the way, the mind gets Mm -hmm. in the way. Having as clear a view as I can at any time of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, behaviors, even if they're negative ones, I need to be aware of them. But equally, having that sense of situational awareness, kind of comprehending what's going on around you and It's funny, when I was a young boy in England, I always felt awkward because I would go into a room and I would have this almost sense that people behind me, I could sense what they were doing. I was very extremely almost, there was electricity. I could feel, I could sense it. It came out of my awkwardness, right? And yet today, I'm very grateful for that. I do have a sense. And I notice in conversations, I'll be in a conversation with two or three other people. And somebody else would be in that conversation and they'd be, they just wouldn't have awareness, right? They'd be overstepping mm. the mark. And I'd be thinking, are you crazy, right? <laughs> so I think, I think different people have different levels of awareness, but self mm-hmm. and situational are so important, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on the situational awareness, if that's okay? Yeah. So situational awareness really is about comprehending what's going on around you and you know, for me, it's so important. It allows you to live more, A, more fully in the present. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, to, and also B, well, B is to keep you safe as well. And C is to seize opportunities. And mm. I, I think really, Martina, so much of it comes out of communication. 93%, between 90 and 93% of communication is nonverbal. What we say to each other is only about 10% of communication, right? Mm-hmm. The, the rest of it is body language. It's posture. It's silence. Yeah. It's how you're looking at me. I am looking at you. Mm-hmm. It's how you're listening to what, what you think my intention is. It's all that stuff. And so for me, communication isn't just language. It's connection, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking, right? But I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I hope I'm making sense to Martina. I hope I'm not talking too much. And so for me, that's what situational awareness is. Mm-hmm. I get it wrong, but it's having a sense of the electricity in the room, right? It's not yes. just about you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very conscious that this is your podcast. 
And there's a time when I have to stop talking. So that's situational awareness, Mm -hmm. reading the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So in terms of, I know we kind of indirectly mentioned it earlier about kind of your your personal life and earlier experiences and how reflecting on, on those experiences has helped to kind of build your resilience. Are you able to share with our listeners about that? Because I know that you know, all of us have experienced challenges in life, regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of our gender, yeah. race, whatever, wherever we live on the globe. And we're, we're all, you know, we're still very much, this pandemic is still kind of at the end of it. But in some other countries, it, it's just rife. So I think it's yeah. really important to acknowledge that. You know, I'm glad you said all that, because as I said before, there's 8 billion of us and we're all fragile beings, every single one of us, right? Even mm-hmm. those sociopaths, psychopaths, and presidents out there who were <laughs> mentioned again, we're all fragile beings. We all, I'm not going to say we're all broken, but we all have isms. We all have yes. weaknesses. We all have triggers. And, you know, for me, I believe we're kind of born resilient. I think we're born with an acceptance of our own self identity. And then what happens is, Life happens to us, right? And and this happened to me. So in my journey, you know, I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional family and alcohol was a big issue in the family. And I don't want to go into too much. Just mm-hmm. And I swore to myself it would never impact me. And mm-hmm. then I entered into a profession which was notor- is notorious for heavy drinking. And I ended up self-medicating with alcohol, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was functioning and, and I achieved amazing things. But it got me in the end, right? And mm-hmm. and I ended up I ended up in a you know in, in a rehab facility in Australia twelve years ago. I have no problem talking about it today. I used to have mm-hmm. problems talking about this stuff, but this is my journey, right? Yeah. To me, it was, me it was alcohol. For somebody else, it's food. For somebody else, it's gambling, sex, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Every human being has a shadow, right? We all yes, do. yes. But some people have gone deeper into the forest than others, and it takes mm-hmm. longer to come out. And so. I reached a really, really dark place. And this is important to share. And this is as raw as it gets for me. And at that time, I assumed, Martina, that I'd lost everything. I assumed I'd lost my wife and my children, all of my money, everything. And it wasn't as bad as that, but I assumed that, right? Because Mm -hmm. I, I did have a sense of awareness and responsibility, and I knew I'd screwed up. But the funny thing is, it's only now, it's only really in the last year or so, am I really reflecting on this. I read... Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning about a year mm-hmm. ago, and he was in one of the concentration camps. And even in the awfulness of the worst moments in humanity, he managed to delight in a red robin on the barbed wire. And I kind of experienced that. And in my darkest moments, and I don't say this lightly, and I don't say this out of ego, but in my mm. darkest moment, when I assumed I'd lost everything, life wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. I, I was stripped naked psychologically, spiritually, mentally, but there were still moments in, a, in those couple of months when I was there that I laughed, that I had good moments. And I think that really showed me that I was taught to be conservative and fearful and anxious because I picked that up from my parents, right? It, mm-hmm. it just, of course, it's going to imbue into me, right? Yeah. And so what I've learned after all of that is to be very, very grateful for every day, for every mm-hmm. day. Like, don't take things for granted. The other thing that I had to work on, and I've, I'm still working on it 12 years later, 
is I had to really intentionally work on deconstructing unhelpful behaviors. And that's really hard to do. And I had to really dig deep. And I went through, I've been through a form of therapy, therapy called brief subjective emotive therapy, which goes back and mm-hmm. forward and back and forward and, and basically puts responsibility on all the things that have gone wrong. And 95% mm-hmm. of the things I've screwed up with have been my fault, right? Mm-hmm. And so you need, I've, I've had to find the fears, dispense with some of the myths, and really clear it away to find the truest version of me. And mm-hmm. hopefully that helps a bit. And I guess I'll finish on this. The most important thing out of all of this was, and this is very raw, is that in your darkest moment, and this is a message for everybody, and, and, and anybody out there who knows somebody who's in a dark moment, mm. all, all they need maybe is just one little grain of salt of hope, you know, a little mm-hmm. tiny piece of sand, right? Yeah. And you just need somebody to say something, just that little grain of hope that could save so many lives, you know, just, mm-hmm. just one nice word, one grain of hope. Hope is so, so important for people. Mm-hmm. Hope yeah. is the key. It's the key. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And having mm-hmm. that hope is what can allow you to bounce back in those challenging times. And, you know, as as you were sharing, I was just, you know, kind of reflecting on my life and I love your authenticity. It's it's great. And you were sharing that, you know, maybe a couple of years back, you wouldn't have been able to share, you know, what you have. And that just literally just really spoke to me because I've had, you know, kind of a recent experience over the past couple of years when I went through a divorce and that was so traumatic Mm. but in the midst of that as you were saying in that darkness there was a glimmer of hope and and like you said I had purpose I was still focused on my life I still knew that (laughs) great things were were, were ahead and it's kind of linked with that mindset and optimism and trying to pull yourself out of it out of that kind of dark situation so thank you for sharing that and I, I do believe that many people will you know, will receive hope and optimism through listening. You and- need, but that's the point. We're not, I used to think we're on this planet for ourselves. We're not, we're here for each other. And mm-hmm. so we all need to help each other. We really do. Yes, yes. And, and the other thing just to say is Eckhart Tolle, you know, who wrote The Power of Now, he, he sums it up so well, right? Because I used to overly complicate things. And I think human minds can overly complicate mm-hmm. things. When something bad happens to you, when something challenging happens, there we have three choices. We can either accept or amend or avoid, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, win, don't whinge about stuff. You either accept <laughs> the commitment, try and change it as you, mm-hmm. you, you've amended or amended. You've changed your life since what you just said. Mm-hmm. There is no fourth. Accept, amend or avoid and get on with it. Yes. There's no point in whinging about it. There really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help. No. Although you don't want to hear that in the moment. <laughs> no, no. Well, no. And, and, and I just, let, me just, let me just reflect on what I've just said there. Of course... You need to process this stuff. So for mm-hmm. me, so that's that would be my one qualification. When I said don't whinge about it, of course you need to process this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it took me four years to get over the obsession of alcohol, right? So I guess I was whinging about it for four years, okay? Yes. So that whinging period, it can't go on forever, right? You need mm-hmm. to get a sense of when it's going to come to an end. and But you mm-hmm. have to process And some people, as I said before, go darker into deeper into the forest and therefore it takes longer to come out. It took me mm-hmm. four years to come out of that forest. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess so long as you're making progress and I think yeah. that's where the self-awareness comes in, even if the progress isn't, you know, the, the kind of pace of it isn't as, as swift as you would hope. Yeah. So long as you're continuing to make that progress daily and you can 
it's observable. And then that in itself will help you to keep going and keep bouncing back and, and being um, resilient. Yeah. Life yeah, is a Life's a journey and it's a journey from comfort zone through your fear zone, your learning zone and your growth zone. That's the work I do anyway. Yes. There's no short. Somebody said to Kobe Bryant, the, the great American basketball player, mm-hmm. not long before he passed away, he said, why, why do you practice six hours a day? You're the best basketball player in the world. And he said, that's why I'm the best basketball player in the world. There's no shortcut to recovery or growth. It's mm-hmm. hard work. Yes, yes. <laughs> So just kind of moving on to thinking about kind of leadership and resilient leadership. I know that in this period of a pandemic, there's a lot of challenges that organizations are facing leaders. The demands that are placed on leaders are far greater, having to manage remote workforces, hybrid working. I just wonder what is your experience been of that and what, yeah, what tips would you provide um, or share in terms of leadership and how to navigate through that and how to leverage resilience in yeah, this no, period? That, that's a great question. And in fact, about a year, March, April last year, I did a couple of online webinars on this whole thing about, and I called them resilient leadership delivers through obscurity. And so the first thing to say is that a lot of leaders are perfectionists and they think that, that they need to be perfect and they need to get everything right. That's a fallacy. Like we're human beings. So the best leaders, back to awareness, right, have a sense of by making this decision, I'm doing enough, right? Enough is the key word with capital E, right? Am I mm-hmm. doing enough, right? Is it expedient action rather than perfection? And that's really important. And only you can sense your own level of enough and awareness. The second thing then is, and this is really important, is as a leader, You need to maintain a steady purpose and a mission in the organization, but you mustn't lie. And this is what a lot of white male elderly global political leaders over the last couple of years, this is where they failed. And more Mm -hmm. female, younger global prime ministers and presidents have done a better Mm -hmm. job. A lot of these white males live in this old way of thinking, which is, right? I mean, for example, Boris Johnson and Trump. (laughs) Yeah, they were banging on about, oh, yes. will be, the pandemic will be over, over by, I think Trump was saying by Easter last year. And, oh. and, and Boris was saying by Christmas. They didn't know that. So why did they say that? Mm-hmm. It's really dangerous. So a, a good leader needs to be as honest and possible and say, sorry, we don't know when this is going to finish. We're doing our mm-hmm. best. Because if you're not as honest as possible, and of course you've got to be as honest as corporately possible, mm-hmm. the first thing that happens is, employees and stakeholders fill the vacuum with anxiety. They don't believe the dishonest. To be operate through, don't think you need to be perfect. Be as honest as possible. Be calm. Be as compassionate as you can be. And sometimes you have to be courageous, which Mm -hmm. sometimes means saying no, or I'm afraid you have to lose your job, but only do that in a compassionate way. It's all common sense, Martina. And yeah. that's why I pull my hair out with some of the older <laughs> leaders and think, why don't they know common sense? Yeah. But co- common sense for some people is not common, is it at all? It's madness, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I love the, I love the way you, you kind of phrase that. So being courageous, being compassionate. I guess it's about being authentic and honest yep. as a yep. leader. Yeah. And yeah, well, all organizations and employees need that. In times of uncertainty, you want yeah. some type of kind of certainty and kind yeah. of safety and security, don't you? And, you? and you would rather have a leader who says, 
well, we don't really know what's going to happen going forward, but we'll try our best going this way. We can't guarantee this. You, you would believe them more than a leader mm-hmm. who said, well, everything's going to be okay. You'd rather mm-hmm. have a leader who says, we don't know. We don't know. Yes. We'll try our best going forward. That's the mm-hmm. honest truth. Yeah, no, definitely. So what role would you say resilience has in high-performing leaders? And how do you help organizations and leaders unlock build and sustain business, leadership, brand and mindset growth? And I know it's quite a long-winded question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the the role, first of all, is when it comes to leadership, I talk more about grit. Angela Duckworth's book around grittiness, right? Yeah. And it's kind of all wrapped up with resilience and motivation. But for me, Mm -hmm. when I coach and mentor, I look for three things, right? I look for the, A, the level of drive, which includes resilience and motivation of the business leader or the entrepreneur. And then B, do they have strategic thinking? And then C, do they tie that with the right opportunity? But what Mm -hmm. I'm really looking for is these four things. I'm looking for do they really have passion for what they're doing? I can see you love mm. what you're doing, right? I can see it in your body language, right? <laughs> so do they really have passion, number one? Mm-hmm. Number two, back to Kobe Bryant, are they really willing to work hard at this? Because mm. I'm sure your business hasn't been a success over Mine hasn't been. The great Marshall Goldsmith wasn't a success over mm-hmm. Coca-Cola took years to sell their mm-hmm. first bottle, right? So yes. passion, hard work having a stronger sense as you can of your purpose in life, which is awareness. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, fourth thing is hope. You need yes. to have so passion, hard work, awareness, and hope. And then I guess the work that I do, I've kind of alluded to it. So when I work with an entrepreneur or a leader, I take them through a six, a seven session process, but a six, there are six modules within it. So, and I mentioned it before, the first thing I do is, so what I'm looking for is to see, What I'm really looking to do, Martina, is, and I say, I look to shine a light on their confidence Mm -hmm. to match their confidence with their capability. Mm -hmm. So we've all got capability, but I find so many people, particularly a lot of female leaders and and leaders from different ethnic groups, for obvious reasons, there there are confidence issues, right? Of course there are because of history. But then it ties in with the imposter syndrome as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what I try and do is on the journey, I'm looking at mindset, I'm looking at leadership skills, I'm looking at business growth skills, and I'm looking at brand, and I'm taking them on a journey. And what I'm trying to do is I get a sense of the frequency that they're at. So is that imposter syndrome? How deeply ingrained is that? Is Mm -hmm. it what's driving it? Is it fear of success? Is it fear of failure? Is it for some other reason? So I take them on a journey and I'll give you one example of a journey that I went on with one. It was an, it was an Aboriginal um, electrician in, in Australia, right? I won't mm-hmm. mention his names. And he was employed by BHP and he was a, one of the best electricians in the, this big mining company. Mm-hmm. And yet he had zero confidence, right? He had no confidence right. because of cultural issues, right? There's mm-hmm. a huge amount of racism. And I worked with him for over a year and a half to try and persuade him that he should set up his own electrical company uh, and and we can get him to be a secondary contractor to BHP. And Mm -hmm. today he has a $4 million electrical business over and beyond what I normally do. There were many times we'd be sitting on walls up in Port Hedland in Northern, Northern, Northwest Australia. He'd Mm -hmm. be crying. He'd be crying about his lack of confidence and stuff. And I'm looking to see below all that fear what really is underlying, right? What 
capability really is there and what do we need to get through to really shine a light on that capability and convince mm-hmm. them that the capability can be matched with the confidence. It's a delicate process. I'm not a psychotherapist or a counselor. Really, it's about looking at the, you know, the mindset stuff, the leadership stuff, the business stuff, and really kind of coaching them on a journey of growth. And we all need that coaxing. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we do. We do. Sometimes it's seasonal, isn't it? And then you're fine for exactly. maybe a couple of months. And then it's like, oh, I, I need that now. <laughs> Definitely. No. I know that's been my, my experience. Yeah, we all need business help. Coaching. We all need yeah, help. we do. And if we say we don't, then <laughs> I'd, I would question that. We're not being that. honest. We're not no. being honest. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. So based upon your, you, you shared earlier around, you know, that you were leading global companies. When you were in that role, I imagine that there must have been immense pressure and responsibility on you as a leader. What helped you to navigate through those situations that you were presented with? How did resilience help? Uh, resilience, I mean, I, I guess that having a heightened sense of self-awareness, I, I always had a sense of purpose that one day I'd be doing what I do today, right? So one day mm-hmm. I wouldn't be leading the big companies. One day I'd be running my own business. So I've kind of had a sense that I use three words, and again, they come out of 12-step programs. As long as you're willing, open-minded, and honest, and above all mm-hmm. else, honest, right? Honesty mm-hmm. is so important. So if you're as honest as you can be, and I haven't always because I'm a human being, and I don't think human beings can be 100% honest all their <laughs> life, but, but if you're as honest as you can be, nobody can really get to you. Nobody mm-hmm. really can. They think they can. Viktor Frankl would write about this as well. And so, and also being willing, being open-minded, being honest is really important. I guess that sense of self-awareness is really, really important. And I guess self-acceptance as well. I guess Mm -hmm. this was was another thing that I was never going to be Jeff Bezos, right? I was never going to be Jeff Bezos. (laughs) And having a sense of, again, enough. And so for me, self-acceptance was, I've got these great positions, being comfortable about being myself unconditionally, right? So Mm -hmm. being grateful for having that position, accepting myself for who I am, and I guess separating that from my my abilities, there's a difference, right? And, mm. and this, this, is, this is the problem with social media. And I think a lot of the younger generations are caught up in this. There's a difference between who you are and your attributes. I mean, there's a lot more better looking people than me. There's faster runners than me. There's smarter. But there's no better version of you, Martina, on planet Earth, right? Mm-hmm. There might be a faster runner than you, right? Mm-hmm. There might be a better artist than you. But there's mm-hmm. no better Martina Witter on planet Earth mm-hmm. than you. And so having that strong sense of disconnecting your abilities or capabilities from who you are, that really, really helped. That really Mm -hmm. helped. Coupled with knowing that every day, am I being as willing as I can be, open-minded and honest? And I guess I'll finish this part on this, is that when I coach people today, I tell them, I ask them to ask themselves three questions every day for a week. And some of them cringe at this. And I see Mm -hmm. them and I say, for a week, ask yourself, do I like myself in the morning? Do I, <laughs> do I trust myself? And do I respect myself? Ask yourself those three questions every morning. And some of them, like me, I, I can't honestly answer yes every day. At the end of the week, the chances are, for anybody listening, you're going to feel just a little bit more self-aware if you're asking those questions of yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's self-awareness, it's honesty, it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I guess with the kind of self-awareness and the self-acceptance, what that will position leaders and individuals to do is to kind of is presenting the best version 
of yourself, isn't it? And it's being unafraid to be yourself, which I think comes with age from based on my personal experience. Whereas when you're young, I work with young people as well. When you're younger, you can, you're a lot more self-conscious and there's a lot of peer pressure. But then as you grow older, it's just like, oh, you know, this is who I am. Take me or leave me. I'm not the changing. But that's so true. Like, I mean, when you think about it, as you know, and I know, and we all know, there's no blueprint in life, right? So that <laughs> nobody is born with a guaranteed certificate that they're going to end, end up as president of America or mm-hmm. as or the fastest runner on the planet or the best looking person. We're all mm-hmm. just plopped onto the earth and we're all given an equal opportunity to navigate life. Now, some people are given more tools than others from a financial perspective or they're, you know, they're born into certain ethnic groups or certain mm-hmm. countries. But generally speaking, you know, as humans, we're giving we we have the same journey to navigate. We have different mm-hmm. set of circumstances. Yeah. And so, and as you get older, you realize, what the heck? You know, if I say something, if I make a mistake, why does it matter? Nobody's really mm-hmm. judging me, right? Mm-hmm. There's no legitimate judging system. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just go for it. As you get older, yes. just go for it. Definitely, definitely. So, what would you say to your younger self, Simon? based upon everything that, you know, you've kind of learned, all the knowledge, expertise, experience in life? For me, it's about alignment. So I spent so many years, I'm 54, I probably spent about 52 years. I spent 52 years, there was always two versions of me, right? There was Mm -hmm. the real me, which is the authentic me, which is talking to you now. I'm trying Mm -hmm. my hardest to be authentic. But then there was the clenched corporate version of me that I portrayed to the world, right? This, Mm -hmm. This white middle class, although I came from a working class, corporate, I've written books, I've cool corporate mm-hmm. that I project, but that wasn't really me, right? The real mm-hmm. me. So what I've worked at is blending the two, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's about alignment. So I'd say to myself, Simon, to really, really excel in life, professionally and personally, to do your best in life, you need to just align with the true version of you. Just be you, you know, because if you're just authentically you, you have more chance in life of instinctively knowing what to do, and deep down you're on the you'll be on the right path. Mm-hmm. So, so don't don't live your life through expect what you expect others think of you. Be navigated by that authentic alignment in you. That's mm-hmm. really really important. I mean, I'm 54. I'm just learning to do that now. Don't worry about expectations. Tap into what your inner soul is telling you is the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. important. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I guess in order to do that, you've got to know what are your values? Who are you as a person? Then connecting with them rather than connecting with others or being who you believe that other people may want you to be in different situations, because that's where there can be that inner um, conflict or cognitive dissonance. And then that causes a lot of distress. You know what you just said there, somebody said to me, an academic from Croatia, uh, Croatia I was talking to the other day, and she said, at the end of a really lovely call, she said, Simon, you're a really nice person, right? Which was lovely. And then mm-hmm. she said, you're a truth seeker. And, and you are as well, Martina, right? And if you're the sort of person who is just constantly seeking the truth about life, you're curious about what drives people, what drives you, I think you're on the right track. You're on the mm-hmm. right track. You might not have all the answers, but if you really want to get a sense of resilience and motivation and your own sense of awareness, 
Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the keys to life. It's not about having Ferraris in the drive and big mansions. You can mm-hmm. earn good money. But yeah. the key to life, I think, is to having that balance between self and situational awareness. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key to life. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. There's nothing to even add to that. I think you've just kind of summarized it succinctly. So in terms of building resilience, it is about the self-awareness, the situational awareness, and leveraging that to build your resilience and being authentic and being honest, willing, open-minded, all of that is going to contribute to someone being an effective, resilient leader. And the only thing to add is always try and keep a sense of humour. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's... Oh, that's a good one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because because life, when you think about it, life isn't long. Like, I'm 54, and I don't want to be morbid, but chances are I won't be here in 20, 30 years. And so Mm -hmm. that's not many days. So enjoy each day as much as you can, right? Every day, treat it like a whole life. Even if you're having a bad day, Mm -hmm. try and choose a nice little moment, even if it's a cup of tea or something. Try and intentionally find those nice little moments. That's Mm -hmm. so important. Yes. And what you look for, you will find. But if you're not looking for it, you won't won't find it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what are your final words and how can people connect with you? Well, I'd suggest to people, you know, maybe try that. Ask yourself each morning for one week, do I trust myself? Do I like myself? Do I respect myself? And really try and do that, right? And and get us, when you do it, try and keep your head out of the way, right? Try and sit down, maybe just be grounded and sit down and get a sense of how your gut feels and how your soul feels, mm-hmm. as well as the noise and chatter in your head. And at the end of the week, do the same thing and see if there's any difference, right? So I think that would be important. And I think you know, the three C's of leadership, try and be as calm as you can every day, even Mm -hmm. if inside you're not, try and be as compassionate as you can. Well, you know, you you don't know who you're talking to, you don't know what they're going through, you know, they might might be suicidal, and they're not showing it. And the third thing is, sometimes you have to be courageous, which means Mm -hmm. don't be a people pleaser. Sometimes you have to say no, you have mm-hmm. to say no. So those things, I can be connected or contacted on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time, Simon mm-hmm. Haig, or through my website, Simon Haig, H-A-I-G-H.com. I, I love hearing from anybody. You know, you reached out and I yes. said, I, I'm constantly searching myself, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> There's so many people to connect with in this world, isn't there? There are, there are. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. But thank you for, for sharing You're today. Welcome. You're welcome. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Rivers to Resilience. To keep up to date, connect with us online at www.rafatherapyservices.com and on all social media platforms. It's your time to be revived, restored and refocused.